Well, it is a privilege for me to be here and to serve for these next uh, three months while uh, Pastor Tim is away. Uh, I first heard about North Suburban Church when I was serving as a pastor in Montana. Uh, we had a couple that moved from Ohio. Uh, Joy uh, was, Craig and Joy, and Joy told me that her uncle was a pastor of a church in the Chicago area, and his name was Marty Voltz. So that was my first introduction to uh, uh, North Suburban Church, but then uh, we had a couple who were from Montana that moved to our community, and they had uh, just uh, moved from this area. Uh, Brett had graduated from Trinity Evangelical Divinity School, and uh, they were uh, wanting to raise support to uh, be missionaries in Poland, and uh, Brett and Michelle Hamilton, and they told us that uh, when they were here, uh, they were part of North Suburban Church, and I hope that name is familiar to you, uh, because they are still uh, global mission partners here, and uh, uh, I really appreciate Brett and Michelle. We've been uh, friends over the years and uh, followed their ministry, so uh, it is a small world. And then uh, talking to Jean Sodeman this morning, and she was telling me about uh, 40 years in, in Pakistan, and and I said, you know, I, I grew up in a church in central Illinois, and I, I said, we supported missionaries, Dick and Kitty Bailey. She says, I went to language school with them. And then she brought up another name, Diane Evans. I said, oh, I forgot about her. She was part of our church there. So uh, it's a small world, isn't it, in, in Christian circles. But I'm, I'm delighted to be here, and whatever I can do to be a helper and encouragement, please uh, feel free to contact me. I'm here in the office at least a couple of days uh, during the week, and, and I'll be glad to uh, get together with you, pray with you, whatever I can do uh, to be a help and uh, an encouragement. Uh, since I really haven't had a chance to introduce uh, my family, I, I will do that at the risk of embarrassing them. My wife Priscilla is here, and, and our two daughters and their families, we all live in Libertyville, and they're here, so I think he's taking up a whole row. There's six of our grandkids are there. Uh, two are downstairs, and I hope the one has stopped screaming, uh, but that, that happens. Well, this morning, uh, we are going to begin a three-week study of the wisdom books in the Old Testament. Uh, there are wisdom texts all over the place in the Old Testament, but, but three books that that are known as wisdom books. So the first one would be Proverbs. We'll look at Proverbs this morning. And Proverbs is a book about wisdom and success. Uh, wisdom for successful living. Uh, Proverbs tells us how to live so that life goes smoothly, so that, that things go right in this world that God has created. So that's the book of Proverbs. Then we have the book of Job, and the book of Job is about wisdom and suffering. Uh, the book of Job is, is there to help us out when uh, life turns tragic. Uh, we uh, talked about grief this morning in the, uh, and you'll have to forgive me, I'm, I'm learning a, a new language, I don't know what, you, I can't remember what you call the adult education uh, classes, but you know what I'm talking about at nine o'clock, talked about grief, and and I so appreciated hearing wisdom from people who have suffered 
And that's what the book of Job uh, is about. We'll take a look at a passage in Job next week. And then the book of Ecclesiastes is about wisdom and frustration. So Ecclesiastes is a book that, that uh, helps us uh, understand how to live when life is frustrating, when it's fleeting. It's here one moment, it's gone the next. And when we realize that we cannot control life. So we're going to take a look at those uh, books, and uh, this morning we're going to begin in the book of Proverbs, talking about wisdom for success. And when you think of the book of Proverbs, you probably think of those, those memorable short sayings. That's what the book is known for. And of course, there's more to the book of Proverbs than just those short sayings, but that's often what we think of. And what's interesting is that almost every culture, even today, has a wisdom tradition. And almost every culture has these short sayings that, that help us understand how to live in a way that uh, life is successful. So even our heritage uh, as uh, Americans, those of you who are who uh, grew up here or you, you become American citizens, uh, maybe you remember uh, Benjamin Franklin and his book, Poor Richard's Almanac, uh, which is full of some of these sayings. Uh, here's some of my favorites. Uh, Fish and visitors stink after three days. <laughs> and I think you can appreciate uh, what that means. Uh, fish can be uh, good and so can visitors, but... If they're around too long, then uh, we're not as excited about it. Uh, things which hurt instruct. And that's true, isn't it? It's often the painful experiences that we go through in life that, that teach us. And then, I like this one, three may keep a secret if two of them are dead. <laughs> Several years ago, a church that I pastored in Montana uh, had uh, a sister church in Haiti and one day I was in a bookstore in Port-au-Prince, Haiti, and I picked up this book, uh, 999 Haitian Proverbs in Creole and English. And I was struck by the fact that, that the, the Haitian people have a wisdom tradition as well, and they've got all these sayings. And here are some of my favorites. Uh, the first is, pretty teeth are not the heart. And you know what that's saying. It's just saying that, that outward beauty doesn't necessarily mean inward beauty, does it? Uh, shaking the head doesn't break the neck. Now, I, I know that different cultures, uh, in, in American culture, when we shake our head this way, we're saying, no, uh-uh. I, I realize that there are some cultures where no would look like this, but uh, however the culture that, that you came from However you do the head shake, it means no, and the point is, not going to hurt you to say no sometimes, and that's what that proverb is all about. Here's another good one. The face which sells on credit is not the same face which collects the money. You know, it's interesting, too, even in the ancient Near East, there were wisdom traditions, and there are proverbs, sayings that are older then the book of Proverbs. So, for example, uh, there's a book called The Ancient Near East by a scholar named James Pritchard and uh, translated some of these uh, ancient accounts. And 
Here are some sayings from uh, the ancient world, from ancient Mesopotamia, uh, the area of modern-day uh, Iraq. Uh, and look at the date, about 1800 to 1700 B.C. I mean, these Proverbs are, are you know, eight, 900 years older than what we have in the uh, book of Proverbs. Uh, the first one is, Upon my escaping from the wild ox, the wild cow confronted me. That's my life story in a sentence. Maybe it is yours too, right? Uh, or into an open mouth a fly will enter. Uh, that's just a way of saying, sometimes it's best to keep your mouth closed. It's a good practice, isn't it? And then, like a barren cow, you are looking for a calf of yours that does not exist. Uh, sometimes in our culture, we talk about pipe dreams. Well, that's, that's their way of, of, of saying you, you have to be realistic. You're, you're not being realistic in, in uh, what you are looking for out of life. Well, we're going to look this morning at the book of Proverbs, and I believe the best way that I can introduce this book to you, and I hope uh, get you excited about uh, learning from it and studying from it is by looking at uh, the first uh, section of the book, the prologue, uh, Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. Uh, this part of the, the book really teaches us what wisdom is and what it takes to acquire it. So please find Proverbs 1, 1 to 7 in your Bible or on your Bible app. If you're using the, the chairback Bible, just like the one I'm holding, uh, you can find this on page 554, uh, page 554, and I'd like to read the prologue to the book of Proverbs for you, uh, Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 7, and this is what scripture says. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for learning wisdom and discipline for understanding insightful sayings, for receiving prudent instruction in righteousness, justice, and integrity, for teaching shrewdness to the inexperienced, knowledge and discretion to a young man. Let a wise person listen and increase learning, and let a discerning person obtain guidance for understanding a proverb or a parable, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, Fools despise wisdom and discipline. This is the word of the Lord. Verse 1 is the title, and the title of the book of Proverbs identifies the, the content and uh, the person behind the book. So it starts off by saying the Proverbs. Interesting word in, in English. Uh, Proverbs comes to us, I think, maybe through Latin, and the idea is uh, pro would be for or in place of, and then uh, verb, you kind of hear, heard that word before, verb or verbs, uh, would be words. So it's, it's in place of words. It refers to a short saying. But I have to tell you that this word means more than short sayings. Now, again, I'm, I'm new to North Suburban, so I don't know all of you, and, and I don't want to just state the obvious, but uh, for anybody who might be new to uh, the Bible, maybe new to the church, well, we're so glad you're here, uh, please understand that the Bible was not written originally in English. The Old Testament part of the Bible was written mainly in Hebrew, 
And that the Hebrew word that's translated Proverbs is a word that referred to a wide variety of sayings, including those little kind of pithy, I guess they're more than one-liners, but there's the short sayings, the aphorisms, the, the Proverbs that the book is known for. But that same word could refer to extended uh, poems. So uh, we, we get both, everything from kind of short sayings to longer poems. But these Proverbs, notice, are of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. And I have to tell you, Solomon was the goat of wisdom. I mean, he really was the greatest of all time. The, the Bible says that. Uh, go back with me for just a moment to 1 Kings chapter 4. 1 Kings chapter 4, look at verses 29 through 34. I want, to get, I want you to get a feel for who Solomon was and, and a little bit about how wisdom worked in the ancient world. So 1 Kings 4, 29 says, God gave Solomon wisdom, very great insight, and understanding as vast as the sand on the seashore. That's a whole lot of wisdom, isn't it? Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the people of the East, greater than all the wisdom of Egypt. So he was the goat. He was the greatest of all time when it came to wisdom. To prove the point, verse 31 says he was wiser than anyone, wiser than Ethan, the Ezrahite, and Heman, Calcol, and Darda, sons of Mahal. His reputation extended to all the surrounding nations. Now, who in the world are these people? Ethan, Heman, Calcol, Darda? Well, we don't know exactly, but we know that they would have been known to the people who were first reading or hearing uh, the book of Kings. I guess today it would be a little bit like saying that uh, when it comes to pop music, that that Taylor Swift is, is the greatest, uh, she's uh, better than, than even uh, uh, Beyonce or Ed Sheeran or, or Ariana Grande or you know, Rihanna, wh whoever else you want to put. And whether that's true or not, I'm not arguing that. I'm just saying that's the kind of statement this is. Now look what he did, verse 32. Solomon spoke 3,000 proverbs. And his songs numbered 1,005. He spoke about trees from the cedar in Lebanon to the hyssop growing out of the wall. He also spoke about animals, birds, reptiles, and fish. Emissaries of all people sent by every king on earth who had heard of his wisdom came to listen to Solomon's wisdom. So what they did in the ancient world is they, they studied nature. And I suppose you could say Solomon was a, a biologist, he was a scientist, he, he studied things, and that's often how wisdom was studied. People would look at the way that the natural world worked, and they would draw lessons from that. In fact, in Proverbs 6, uh, we're told, go to the ant and, and watch an ant, and, and there's some things that you can learn. But notice verse 34, emissaries of all people sent by every king on earth came to listen to Solomon's wisdom. Uh, we have reason to believe from some ancient records, even outside the Bible, that, that wisdom was an international pursuit, that, uh, that the Egyptians, that the uh, uh, 
uh, Babylonians, those in Mesopotamia, that people all over the world studied wisdom, and they would gather for wisdom conferences. You know, some of you go to uh, conferences or trade shows that are put on by your business. Well, that's what they did in the ancient world, and kings were the ones who were sponsoring this. So back in Proverbs 1.1, that's the title, uh, the content, the person behind the book. Now, Solomon's not the only person involved in writing the book of Proverbs. When you come to chapter 22, verse 17, uh, you come to a section that's identified as the sayings of the wise. And actually, there's a lot of similarities between that and an Egyptian text that we have uh, available that's translated. You could read it in English if you wanted. Then chapter 24, verse 23, more sayings of the wise. And then chapters 25 through chapter 29, if you look at 25.1, these are the Proverbs that were copied by the men of Hezekiah, that great king of Judah who, who uh, helped return the people to the worship of the Lord and, and his uh, men, those that were in, involved in the wisdom tradition, uh, took some of those Proverbs that maybe hadn't been publicized and they, they copied them and they're part of this collection. Again, we, we believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God, isn't it? Uh, every word is, is breathed out by God, but he used human beings to, uh, to do it and sometimes the, the process was very interesting. Then you come to chapter 30 and you have the wisdom of Augur, A-G-U-R, we don't know who he was, but uh, a wise person, maybe not even... Uh, Maybe not even Jewish. And then in chapter 31, you've got the uh, verse 1 through 9, the, the wisdom that comes from the mother of King Lemuel, who we don't know as well. So anyway, this is, what, this is the, uh, you know, the title of the book. It's full of wisdom. Uh, Solomon is the main uh, persona behind it, uh, but there were other people involved. I think it's helpful when you think about Proverbs to realize that there are two main parts to the book, uh, two big chunks. The first would be uh, chapters 1 through 9, and chapters 1 through 9 would be actually a series of lectures or, or sermonettes. Uh, th this is not where you find all those uh, individual sayings that the book is known for. There's actually a a flow of thought in these lectures, and they're arguing why wisdom is a superior lifestyle. Uh, wisdom and foolishness are, are the two choices. Uh, well, why choose wisdom rather than foolishness? By the way, in the book of Proverbs, foolishness is a moral problem. Uh, it's not simply uh, uh, doing something dumb. A few years ago, uh, I had a flat tire, and I went out, and I, I took it off and put the, the, the donut spare on it, and then uh, I hand-tightened the, the lug nuts, and I got a phone call, and my wife was the one who was going to take this to the mechanic, so I got done with the phone call. I guess I forgot that I hadn't taken my wrench and tightened those lug nuts, so I sent Priscilla off, yeah, you'll take this in to the mechanic, he'll fix the tire. Uh, she said, boy, the front end was doing some funny things. And when she got there, the mechanic said, 
is your husband trying to kill you? <clears throat> I had just hand-tightened those lug nuts. Now, I, I'd be tempted to call that foolish. That's actually not what foolish means in the book of Proverbs, unless I did that intentionally, and I assure you, as I assured her, that I did not. I, I did something dumb. I did something stupid, but not foolish, because foolish, according to Proverbs, is a moral choice. And chapters 1 to 9 says, all right, this is why wisdom is a superior lifestyle to foolishness or to folly. Then, in chapters 10 through 31, what you have are the sayings, at least through chapter 29. Now, when you get into 30 and 31, uh, you're back to some longer poems that, that actually have an argument. But these chapters uh, really show us what wisdom looks like. So, once you're convinced by the first nine chapters that wisdom is the way to go, then chapters 10 to 31 says, all right, this is what it looks like uh, lived out in life. In verses 2 through 6, we have a, really have a purpose statement. This is, this is what the book is designed to do. And in verses 2 and 3 of that purpose statement, we, we get the general intent. Verse 2, for learning wisdom and discipline, for understanding insightful sayings, for receiving prudent instruction. Now, the key word in these verses is the word wisdom. And I think it would be good to stop and to make sure we understand what the book of Proverbs means by wisdom. I hope it's okay, but I'm going to teach you a Hebrew word this morning, all right? You okay with that? Uh, the, the word is, Hebrew word is chokhmah, there it is in Hebrew, but uh, the, the English uh, underneath, you see that dot under the H, so you kind of have to get that, that gravelly sound, the ch, so it's chokhmah. Chokhmah is the word wisdom. Can you say that with me? Chokhmah. You're well on your way to learning Hebrew. Well done. Chokhmah, or wisdom, that word simply means skill. Every time it appears in the Old Testament, it's referring to skill. And there's some kind of interesting places where you find that. In Exodus chapter 28, verse 3, it refers to the skill or the wisdom of garment makers. And depending on which translation you're using, some will translate it as skill or skillful, or some will just translate it as wise or as wisdom. But it's the skill of <clears throat> making the, the garments that the priest wore. Then in Exodus 31, 3 through 6, the skill of those who were uh, doing craftsmanship, actually artistic designs in the, the tabernacle. So it's used there as well. Uh, it's used in... <clears throat> Jeremiah 9, this is a really interesting one, in Jeremiah 9, 17, of the skill of uh, the mourning women, the wailing women, uh, those who would have been hired to come to a funeral and to mourn. That's what they did. They had professional mourners at their funerals, and uh, Proverbs 9, verse 17, is a call to, uh, to bring the, the women who are skilled in wailing I guess it would be a little bit like today, the skill of, of musicians. And the musicians that are up here this morning are very skilled, aren't they? 
So it's used in that way. Uh, it's used of the skill of a goldsmith in Jeremiah 10.9. And then one that I think is really interesting in uh, Psalm 107, uh, verse 27, talks about the skill of sailors. And actually, their skill wasn't enough to deliver them from the storm. So this is just a, a general word that refers to skill. But in the book of Proverbs, wisdom is the skill of living life in God's created world. Uh, adjusting to the, the patterns that God has built into life. You know, God's designed friendships to work a certain way, hasn't he? God's designed the accumulation and the spending of wealth to work a certain way. And wisdom is all about understanding the, those patterns. Proverbs talks about uh, sexual patterns, how we, we manage uh, our, our sexual desires. Talks about how we manage our emotions. There is a skill to uh, managing our emotions, a skill to dealing with our anger. Something else I want you to notice, though, in the end of verse 3, notice it says that uh, this learning of wisdom and discipline, understanding, insightful sayings, prudent instruction, notice it's in righteousness, justice, and integrity. So what that means is there is a moral dimension to wisdom. Think about it this way for a moment. Let's suppose that uh, you uh, move into a new neighborhood, and when you go to get on your Wi-Fi, uh, you discover that uh, your, your neighbor's Wi-Fi shows up, but of course it's locked. But you have the savvy that you're able to hack into your neighbor's Wi-Fi, and then you could cancel yours. You could save yourself between $50 and $100 a month. Uh, let me ask you this question, and don't answer it out loud, but is that wise? Is that an example of wisdom? If, if I was able to hack into my neighbor's Wi-Fi and not have to pay, uh, you know, Comcast or whoever else uh, any money, and, and I was able to do it without being discovered, uh, would that be wise? Well, the answer is yes, of course. That's a skill, isn't it? But it's wrong. It's morally wrong. So we're understanding here that this skill of adapting to the way that God created the world to work is in this uh, moral realm. That there's morals involved. Righteousness, justice, and integrity. I've been reading a lot in Proverbs recently and I'm just struck by how often justice is an issue. In fact, it shows up in the end of the book in that wonderful poem about the Proverbs uh, 31 uh, woman where you know, she cares for the needs of the poor. I mean, that, that's what wisdom does. All right, so that's the general intent, to impart wisdom to the book's readers and hearers. Uh, notice who the audience is. Uh, verse 4, for teaching shrewdness to the inexperienced, and if you have the CSB, which is the, the translation that we use here at North Sub, uh, you'll notice a little footnote that says, or simple, or gullible. A lot of translations just say, for teaching shrewdness to the simple. So we've got the simple person, 
knowledge and discretion to a young man. So part of this, uh, the, the audience includes those who are simple, or we might say simpletons. Now, the simple are those who have not yet decided which way they're going to go in life. Are they going to follow the path of foolishness? Or are they going to follow the path of wisdom? Those who are simple haven't made that decision. That's why the first nine chapters are arguing that wisdom is a superior lifestyle to foolishness. We've got the simple, we, we've got the young. And notice that they are being taught shrewdness, discretion. Uh, these words speak to what I would call the dark side of wisdom. We're, we're teaching the simple to be streetwise. And we do this with our kids, don't we? Our grandkids. We tell them not to accept rides from strangers. That's, that's street sense, isn't it? That's shrewdness. That's discretion it's the dark side of wisdom but notice verse 5 that wisdom is also for people who are already wise it says let a wise person listen and increase learning and let a discerning person obtain guidance doesn't matter how wise you are uh, wise people never stop learning never stop acquiring wisdom and that's really an emphasis in this book so wherever you're at maybe you're just starting out and maybe you are simple not in the not in the sense of you're you know you're you're not all there you know mentally it's like no you just haven't decided which way to go proverbs is for you or maybe you've been following Christ for 40 years and you have uh, learned a lot of wisdom. Uh, the book of Proverbs is still uh, for you as well. We, we never stop learning. We never outgrow uh, that need uh, for wisdom, do we? A couple of other things to, to point out, though. The, the book of Proverbs is both for royalty and commoners. I mean, wisdom in the ancient world was, was really the domain of kings. And they would... They would spend so much time on wisdom, studying it, calling together uh, these wise sages to teach because they wanted to prepare the next generation. Uh, they wanted to prepare the crown prince for assuming the role of king. And yet what I love about the book of Proverbs is it's not just for, it's not just for uh, royalty, it's not just for uh, young men who might become kings. It's, it's for everybody. Uh, it's for commoners as well as kings. It's for men and for women. One of the most remarkable things, I think, is at the end of the book of Proverbs, the, the final poem in verses 10 through 31 of chapter 31, where the writer has an opportunity to say, all right, here is a, a model, here's an example of what wisdom ought to look like. And we would expect that the writer would choose a prince. You know, here, here's a king that everybody can follow. Instead, he chooses a woman. I, I think that's wonderful. I think that's remarkable. You know, sometimes the way that Proverbs 31 has been taught, I'm afraid, is, 
is it's been, uh, it's kind of discouraging. I, I imagine there's some of you who have, uh, maybe especially on Mother's Day, say, I, I hope that the message isn't on Proverbs 31 woman. Uh, years ago, there was a book uh, that was titled The Proverbs 31 Woman and Other Impossible Dreams. And I would just say this, if any of you ever hear a young man saying, well, I'm holding out for a Proverbs 31 woman. Great, but ask him, yeah, but are you, is she going to get a Proverbs 1 through 31 kind of man? Uh, that, that cuts both ways. All right, verse 6 kind of tells us the literary strategy. For understanding a proverb or a parable, the words of the wise and their riddles. So what's the difference between these four categories of words? And my definitive answer is, I don't know. Uh, biblical scholars are really not sure maybe the, the nuances of these different terms. really doesn't matter. Uh, what we know is that there's a lot of different kinds of sayings in Proverbs, and it does take some skill to understand how they work. Uh, there are, again, many, many of these short sayings, what we call Proverbs. And I would define uh, a short saying like that. I define a proverb as something that is condensed, it's memorable, and it's transferable. So condensed means that you've taken uh, a topic that you could write a book on, if, if not an, an essay, maybe even a 10-page paper, and you've condensed it into a, a few words. So that, that's what these sayings are. They're condensed. They're, they're memorable, aren't they? You know, once you hear uh, some of these statements, and even the ones that I had up on the screen, uh, fish and visitors stink after three days. I, I didn't try to memorize that. It's just memorable. Like, I can't help it now uh, once I hear that. And they, these are transferable to many situations in life. Let me just give you a couple of examples. I've been studying, uh, been reading recently in Proverbs 25. So uh, let me just pick out a, a couple from Proverbs 25. Uh, Proverbs 25, verse 15 says, A ruler can be persuaded through patience. And a gentle tongue can break a bone. Boy, that's, that's memorable, isn't it? A gentle tongue can break a bone. In other words, gentle words can have a great impact. You don't always have to yell to get your point across. Sometimes that gentle word has a power that uh, you, you can't imagine. Uh, verse 16, if you find honey, eat only what you need. Otherwise, you will get sick from it and vomit. And we talk about that. Too much of a good thing uh, can cause trouble, can it? Look at verse 20. Singing songs to a troubled heart is like taking off clothing on a cold day. We've had such a mild winter that yesterday, I think it was when I got up, it was like 17 or 18, and I... I, I ran outside to, to get something without a coat. Well, I experienced this proverb, taking off clothing on a cold day. Or like pouring vinegar on soda. When I grew up, uh, it was great. We had all of these unsafe toys that you couldn't have today. When I was, uh, I don't know, like a sixth grader, I got a chemistry set for uh, Christmas and I'm, I'm thankful in God's kindness that uh, we didn't 
start the house on fire or blow anything up as I was in the basement. Uh, one of the experiments, it was this little plastic rocket, and you could take baking soda and put it in one part of the rocket, there was vinegar in the other, then you would put it together and there was this reaction and the rocket would shoot up. Well, my brothers and I got the idea to do this on a grander scale, so we mixed a whole box of baking soda with a, a whole uh, bottle of vinegar. And man, was it ever a cool explosion. Uh, that's what happens when we sing songs to a troubled heart. Uh, you know, there, there's a time to maybe encourage people with, with truth, but we can't go to people when, when they're grieving and just say, don't worry, be happy, it's going to be okay. That, that's the point of that proverb. All right, so that's a, that's a little window into what these one-liners are like. Final thing, final question is, yeah, but what separates biblical wisdom from legitimate secular wisdom? I mean, think about that proverb we just looked at. Singing songs to a troubled heart is like taking off clothing on a cold day or like pouring vinegar on soda. Well, we, we have sayings that, that, that would, you know, resemble that. Uh, you know, what separates biblical wisdom, the book of Proverbs, from Poor Richard's Almanac? Why not just get a copy of Poor Richard's Almanac and, and study that? Because there's a lot of wisdom there that makes sense. Well, look at verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and discipline. Friends, it's the fear of the Lord that separates biblical wisdom from secular wisdom. And by the way, secular wisdom is not always bad, is it? Uh, God uh, allows uh, people who are not believers to study life and to make some discoveries about how finances work, about how emotions work, about the use of our words, our speech. But ultimately, what makes the book of Proverbs different is that every one of these Proverbs are, are run through the grid of the fear of the Lord. Now, what in the world is that? Isn't that a bad thing? I mean, 1 John chapter 4, verse 18 says, perfect love casts out fear. So why should we fear God? There's an interesting statement in Exodus chapter 20, verse 20, where the people are at the base of Mount Sinai, or Sinai, and, and they're terrified. And Moses said to the people, don't be afraid, for God has come to test you so that you will fear him and will not sin. Well, that sounds like a blatant contradiction, doesn't it? Ah, but maybe, maybe those two words are different Hebrew words. Actually, they're not. Same word. One's a noun, one's a verb. Same word. You know, don't fear, for God's come to test you so that you will fear him. And we're like, what? That sounds like it's a contradiction. I think that's the tension that we live with. I mean, we serve a God who who in some ways we, we should be afraid of. He is the creator. He is the judge. He could strike all of us dead at this moment, couldn't he? He's got the power to do that. And yet, God's come to test the people so that they will, well, they're, they're told not to be afraid, but so that they will fear him. So, 
that there's a sense in which we should fear God, but we shouldn't. It's not a contradiction. I think it's saying we, we fear God like we might fear our, our parents. There's a healthy respect. There's a reverence. But hopefully when we see them coming, we don't go running for cover. I think this is describing a posture of worship. By the way, even in the New Testament, even though 1 John 4, 18 says, perfect love casts out fear, Philippians 2, 12 uh, says, work out your salvation with fear, same word as in 1 John 4, 18, with fear and trembling. So, what we learn from this chapter in Proverbs is that biblical wisdom is a skill of living life in a God-exalting way. That's what it is. That's what wisdom is. By the way, wisdom leads us, <clears throat> excuse me, to Jesus and to his gospel. And then Jesus leads us to wisdom. Matthew chapter 12, verse 42 uh, Jesus said, but one wiser than Solomon is here, and he's referring to himself. And Colossians chapter 2, verse 3 says that in him, in Christ, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden. So my challenge to you today is to make <clears throat> the, the quest for wisdom a priority. Seek for it like you would for hidden treasure or silver. Uh, read chapter 2, verses 1 to 6, and you'll know what I'm talking about. I really encourage you to do this. You might say, well, yeah, but I already, I, I like to read Proverbs, but I already have another Bible reading program going already here in, in 2024. That's great. How about doing what Billy Graham did? Maybe taking a month and reading a chapter a day. Or, why not take one proverb each day it won't take you that long, but take a proverb every day and maybe screenshot it if it's on your Bible app or <clears throat> if, if you prefer to write things out, write it on a 3 by 5 card. Keep it with you and just reflect on it at a few key times during the day. You know, a great resource to help you do that is Tim and Kathy Keller's little book, God's Wisdom for Navigating Life. It's, it's a devotional that will take you through much of Proverbs. You could add that to what you're already doing because we desperately need biblical wisdom. If you'd like a little commentary, I still love Derek Kidner's uh, commentary on Proverbs. He was a wonderful British scholar. He used to be part of the, the Tyndale Old Testament commentary series, and <clears throat> they've replaced it, but it was such a classic that it's now Kidner classic commentaries. It won't break your bank. Uh, you, you'll be spending your money wisely if, if you get that. But remember, biblical wisdom is the skill of living life in a God-honoring way, a way that exalts God. We need that. Something else I'd say, too, is, is to read, read the words of Jesus. Jesus was a teacher of wisdom, and he claims that in Matthew 12, verse 42. Sermon on the Mount is full of wisdom, these two ways to live. Uh, the letter to James is, is, is a book of wisdom as well. I'm thankful that God in his grace has said to us, look, here are some instructions, here's even some wise sayings to help you navigate your way through life so that you can live it successfully. 
Yeah, Proverbs are not promises. That's something we have to understand. They're observations about how life works over and over and over again. So what do we do when things don't work right? Well, come back next week, and we'll talk about that from the book of Job. But in the meantime, let's pursue wisdom. Wisdom leads us to Jesus. Jesus leads us to wisdom. Let's pray. Father, thank you for giving us wisdom, for building wisdom into creation. Lord, and then throughout your word, uh, giving us wisdom psalms, giving us wise teaching, even back in the, the law of Moses. And then giving us these three wisdom books, starting with Proverbs, that really helps us understand how to live life in a way that honors you. Lord, we give you thanks for that, and we pray that you will help us to live wisely for your glory and for your honor. Lord, we pray this and pray that you'll help us to follow the, the, the wise teaching and the wise living of our Savior, the Lord Jesus. We ask for your help through the power of the Spirit in doing this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.